Am I on? Yes? Now? Okay. It's always a privilege to get to preach here at uh, the church, and when my dad uh, let me know, and I was very excited, and it actually turned out I didn't plan it this way on purpose, but the uh, message that God gave me for tonight actually ties in very well with... Ah. Which one? About five or six thousand documents, and because I didn't have the original program, I couldn't even read what the document was called. And I was saying, this is absolutely impossible. There is no way I will finish this in the next decade. What I didn't realize, and and what what I, I failed to understand when I first began the project, is that what I was supposed to do was get an older computer that still had all of that software on it, from the mid-90s that could open most of those files and I could then, you know, reformat it so that we could use it on a relatively recent computer. It's still a huge project, but the resources that I was unaware of changed it from an absolutely, honestly, impossible project to something that could actually be done, albeit with a great deal of difficulty, it was possible. You could, you know, think of even little children at home and and, and, and you send, uh, I, I don't want to embarrass any of my siblings in particular, but you send one of the little ones and you tell them, you need to go clean your room. But there's, there's four or five people in a very small space, and it, it can get pretty rough sometimes. And, 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 and you'll throw up your hands and, and they'll say, how in the world? I can, can't do it. There's no way I could ever clean it up. But what they're not realizing is that their four older siblings have already been told and they're already on their way. And together, what was impossible for them to perform on their own is now really possible for them to do. It's still a lot of work because they've made a lot of mess, but it's something that can be done. You think of soldiers even in a, in a more serious, more, more serious way of thinking, and they're told to take a position. And you have a little group of soldiers that's told to take a hill and, and they might say, you know, how in the world can we ever take this enemy position? But if they're then informed that there's going to be a massive airstrike 10 minutes before they go over the top, and that there's an entire squadron of tanks that's going to accompany them, what before seemed to be absolutely impossible is now something that they are actually capable of doing because they're not supposed to take the position on their own. They're supposed to back up the tanks and the aircraft that are really going to take out the enemy. I'm sure that each of us could think of additional examples. We could be here all night thinking of different ways in which that, you know, the resources that are given to a group or people or to a particular person to complete a task are the, is the difference between success and failure. But I think we've already established the, the fact, and I, I don't think that anyone here would argue with me, that the difference between a possible and an impossible task are the resources available to you to complete that task. And I'll just say that one more time. The difference is between a task that is possible yet difficult and a task that is absolutely impossible are the resources that you are given to carry that task out. We have been given a task that does seem to be absolutely impossible. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew in chapter 28. And I'm sure some of you have already figured out that this is where we were going with the message tonight. But nonetheless, I believe it, there's something here for us that we need to realize as we carry out 
what God has given for us to do. And if we start in verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And we'll stop there for the present. Before we go any further, and before we explain, explain uh, what resources we have been given, it's important to understand what the command actually is. And if you do a grammatical study of, of the passage, the imperative verb, the central verb in the command that Jesus gave is to teach all nations. That's the central point of the, what Jesus is saying. In the original, if you look it up, it's just one word. It's a derivative of the word for disciple. It's, the same, it's not the same word that's used for teaching in verse 20. It's a different word, and it's basically the verb form of what Jesus called his disciples, disciples. It isn't an error. It's not like this should be translated a different way or something of that nature. It's another way of saying the same thing. What it is ultimately saying is that we're to go forth and we're to make listeners, we're to go forth and we're to make people who before didn't listen to the teaching of Christ, now they're going to begin listening to the teaching of Christ. We're going, it's not primarily concerned with what you're teaching them and that you're teaching them all the truth of the gospel and all the truth of the word of God. That's the force of verse 20. It is, it is, it is the fact that you are to get them to be listening to the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We're not seeking itching ears, people that are willing to hear but not willing to obey. Nor yet again are we seeking people that are willing to verbally identify with, Je with Jesus, willing to call themselves a Christian, but not under even understand what that would mean. What we are seeking, what we are trying to do, is seek sheep to listen to the shepherd. As sheep, they will wander and stumble. They will need to be cared for and sought out. That is the nature of a sheep, and that is the nature of all of us. We're not talking about going and, and finding people and if they don't live a perfect Christian life, then they're not really saved. But what we're talking about is Jesus said so often, those who do not listen to him are not his sheep. The primary command of the Great Commission is to go take those who have hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh. To take people who, as the book of Romans says in chapter 3 and verse 11, they're not seeking after God. They have no understanding and they have no true desire to understand. To take those kind of people, people that have the heart of wolves, people that are outside of the fold, people that, as you read the argument of the book of Romans, they're the enemies of God, and to take them and turn them into sheep that are listening to the message of the gospel, that are listening to the Savior, and to teach them the truth of the word of God. You want to talk about an impossible task. That is an impossible task for you. Because you're not going out amidst opposition to find those that are desperately seeking for the gospel. Even those that think they're seeking for the gospel, they're not. Unless God's already working on their heart. In our own power, we don't even have an ability to go out there. We don't have an ability to do anything. And we don't even have an ability to get people interested. Not only that, but the devil and the entire world system, which is under the control of the prince of the power of the air, is going to do everything in their power to stop us from going to those that aren't even interested in the first place. This isn't a task that is, is difficult, but the United States Marines can get it done. They have a saying, you know, the difficult today, the impossible tomorrow. This isn't that kind of idea. This isn't an impossible that they can get done tomorrow. This is an impossible that no human being is ever going to be able to do in any length of time. 
And not only is it, are we talking about that, that, that is the primary command, is to make disciples in all nations. That is the main point of it. But, although the main verb in the sentence is that one that's telling us to make disciples in all nations, because of the nature of it, and, and I'm not going to pretend that I understand exactly all the reasons for this, but the three participles, the three other things, are also commands because they're connected to an imperative verb. Not only is it the primary command is that we're to be making disciples in all nations. But if we're going to make disciples in all nations, we're going to have to go to at least some of those nations because we're, going, because we're not in all nations right now. The disciples that Jesus originally gave that command were in one place. And if they were going to complete Jesus' commission to them of going and making disciples in all nations, then at least some of them were going to have to go to nations that are not their own or to places that do not presently have a gospel witness. Sometimes it's from a culture that is near, as, as Brother Levier is going from a, a neighboring state, even though he grew up there, he's being sent out from a state that, it, or a province, pro properly speaking, in Canada, that is very close to it. But yet he's going to a place where the gospel is not. Sometimes people have to go very far away. One of my best friends is going to northern India to minister to the Muslim-speaking peoples there. He, he's coming from the state of Oklahoma. The, the, the shock factor could not be more drastic. But yet, if we're going to carry out the primary task of making disciples, some of us are going to have to go. Not only is it a command to go, it is also a command to baptize. And that if you really have people that are listening to the shepherd, they're not going to be ashamed of the Savior. And they're going to be baptized and identify with a local congregation of believers. And once they're in that church, then once they're listening to the shepherd, then we have to teach them what the shepherd has taught us and teach them the whole counsel of God. So even if by some miraculous ability we were able to get people to start listening, how are we going to go forth into all nations against all the world system that hates closed countries that do not allow missionaries? You mentioned in, 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 in Quebec how that even as soon as 50 years ago, right across the border in Canada, Canada. They were locking up Baptist preachers, and yet someone had to go in spite of the fact that the government didn't allow it. How are we going to do this? Of all the impossible tasks that have ever been given, surely this is the most impossible. To go to those who have no interest in God, who indeed are very much in opposition to God, and make them into disciples willing to follow God is utterly beyond our power. Forget about going forth among all nations. It is beyond our power to do this in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our own schools, and in the places where we live ourselves, even with our own families. Yet the principle that we laid down in the beginning still holds true. The difference between a possible task and an impossible one are the resources that are made available to you to complete that task. Not only have we been given a task that is impossible, we have been given a resource that is greater than we can even Im begin to imagine. I'm sure that most of you noticed when I read the passage, I, I didn't read it in its entirety. I didn't start in the right place and I ended before it was done. If we go back to verse 18, it says the beginning of, of what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying... All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
And then he says, Amen. The Jesus who has all power has promised to always be with us. Let me say that one more time. The Jesus who has all power has promised to always be with us. Jesus isn't saying that before he did not have all power and now he does. Repeatedly throughout the Gospels, Jesus claimed to have all power. In fact, in the book of Matthew itself, in chapter 11 and verse 27, Jesus said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. Jesus has always had all power. But there came a day when he was hanging on a cross. And the Pharisees pointed their finger at him and they said, You don't have all power, Jesus. They didn't say those words in the Gospels, but that was the essence of what they were saying with their mocking and their sarcasm and their hatred. And they thought that they had defeated him. And all the Romans and, and all of those that were his enemies there at that time thought that it had been once and for all established that whatever power Jesus had claimed to have, it power died on that day when he passed, when he died on that tree. And when he was buried in that tomb, any vestige of kingly power and authority that he had ever claimed to possess was proven to be non-existent. The disciples believed that lie. The two on the road to Emmaus said, we thought that he was the one that was the Messiah, but now we know he's, he's not. He's not who he said he was. He doesn't have the authority that he claimed to have. His authority is not newly established. His authority is by the resurrection Newly vindicated. It appeared that his claims to authority were contradicted by the circumstances of his death and burial. But glory to God, when he rose out of that tomb and when he ascended back up into heaven, his authority and the claims that he made, the unbelievable claims that he made to have the authority, the very authority of God, authority over every nation, over every people group, over every situation, over every environment, they were forever and ever more vindicated. Because Jesus defeated death, the ultimate enemy of every man in every nation, he has proven once and for all that he has ultimate and absolute and final authority over every man in every place, in every nation, in every tongue, in every people group, in every environment, in every situation, no matter what the government of that country says, no matter what the opposition of Satan may be, Jesus has the authority in that place. And he proved that he has the authority when he defeated the final, the universal, and the ultimate enemy of humankind. Because of this truth, to disobey the commission that he's given us is to deny the resurrection. When we refuse to make disciples, when we refuse to obey the command that he has given us, we are saying, in fact, if not in word, that we do not have the resources we need to accomplish the task. Because we're saying, if we say the task is impossible, I cannot obey it, what we're saying is, God, you haven't given us enough resources to accomplish the task you've given us. And since the resurrection is the proof that we do indeed have the resources that are necessary, a refusal to obey is a refusal to believe. Because the Jesus who has all power will always be with us, we can always be obedient. This means there's no country that's closed to God. It may say closed on the borders. They may not allow you in, 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 in. They may not allow you in knowingly. But there's no border that's closed to God. There's no country over which God has a sign. No gospel allowed here. 
There's no place that's close to God. The command, remember, is to make disciples. And that applies just as much to your home, to your workplace, to your school, as it does to the farthest reaches of Africa, or the darkest corners of Asia, or the most forgotten bits of even North America. Your own children are just as much the subject of this command as the orphans of Asia. The command to reach all nations is given to us collectively, but the command to be making disciples is the responsibility of each of us individually. As we each obey God in the place where He has put us, the commission He has given to all of us will be fulfilled. Furthermore, and I, I cannot preach a message on any subject without pointing this out, because this is the commission that God has given me, it means that there is no person that is above or beneath the authority of Jesus Christ. If you are here tonight and you have not yet been made a disciple, know that Christ still claims authority over your life. It doesn't matter if you've made a verbal profession. It doesn't matter if you come every week and you, you, you listen to the service and you listen with an itching ear, but it does not change your heart. If you have never been made a disciple, if you have never had your heart changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, if you have never learned to listen to the shepherd, know that Christ claims authority over your life tonight as well. And if you refuse to listen to him now, you will one day listen to his command to depart forever and you will find yourself utterly unable to do otherwise. Christ is calling all men everywhere to submit to his authority while there is yet time because there is coming a day when all men everywhere will submit to his authority but there will be no more time and there will not be another chance of repentance because you will have to fall on your face and bow before the God that you have scorned and he will have no other choice and no other desire but to cast you from him for you have rejected his son you have rejected his gospel you have rejected his commission because the Jesus who has all power will always be with us we can always be obedient to disobey the commission that he has given us is to deny the resurrection that vindicates his authority is the only testimony that an unbeliever had to the validity of the resurrection was the degree of your obedience. How believable would they find the gospel? Let me say that one more time. If the only testimony an unbeliever had to the validity of the resurrection was the degree of your obedience to the commission, how believable would they find the gospel? Father, Lord, I come before you and I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to deliver your word. Father, Lord, I just pray you'd apply the words to my heart first and to the heart of everyone else here, Father. Change us, Father, Lord. Don't let us leave here the same. Don't let me leave here the same, Father. Break my heart. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.